Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. Anyways, so speaking of church, we actually have a brand new church building, you guys. Really excited about this. We're going to have our very first service on May the 1st, Sunday, May the 1st at 4 p.m., just like here, Uh, but it's going to be in East Nashville at House of Blessing. If you don't know where House of Blessing is, if you know where Barista Parlor is, then you know where House of Blessing is, which once more, we know that's the Lord, right? We can get good coffee just before. Uh, it is literally two blocks from the pharmacy burger, from Mas Tacos. The favor ain't fair, y'all. I mean, I'm just like, that is amazing, What a location. It's right on Gallatin. It's right on Main Street. I mean, you couldn't imagine a better location, in my opinion, for Legacy to be. You guys are not complaining. They live in East Nashville. How many East Nashvillians do we have in here? There's a handful of you guys. So that's going to, you guys are going to be happy about that, I know. And uh, we've just been really moving around a lot uh, throughout our time as a young church. And we thought two years ago that we might end up in East Nashville. And the Lord led us to West Nashville, then downtown here to Music Row. And um, over the last few weeks, God's just opened up a profound opportunity for us to be in East Nashville with House of Blessing. They've actually shifted their model. They're meeting on Saturdays, doing home groups throughout the week. And so I'm excited to announce that this summer we're going to bring back a Sunday a.m. 1030 service. So that is super cool, I think, because we'll still keep the four. So if you love the four, don't get afraid, all right? We're not going to nix the four. It'll still be here. But uh, for those of you guys who are like, I want to do church early on Sunday morning, maybe that's your experience, your tradition, we'll have that available for you. And I'm also excited because we'll get the opportunity to pour into a neighborhood. Yeah. Honestly, I, I really, I, th- I feel like that uh, throughout all this time that we've been moving around, I've always been praying, God, where are we gonna put down some roots? And just to be real, just to be transparent, this is probably the first time I feel um, in our church community's existence that it's like, we're gonna be there for a while. Like, I, I really do feel like it's, it's an opportunity to put down some roots and really serve East Nashville. And so I'm excited about that. How about you guys? Uh, I know I've talked to a ton of you. You're like, hey, I wanna get involved in the community. I wanna serve. I wanna do something for the homeless or for the poor. We're gonna do that stuff. I wanna serve at local high schools or middle schools or, you know, we're gonna do that stuff. I, I just, I really feel that forthcoming And so I'm excited about the opportunity to do that. So I just want you guys to know, May 1st is when that's happening. Put it on your calendar. Um, The the space there, just, you know, bear with me. I just want to make a few announcements. The space there, um, the church was built, I think, in the mid-50s. Randy's going to know. I think it was the mid-50s or so. And it was renovated last maybe in the 70s or 80s. So it's, it's... it's dated a little bit. I think that's fair to say. And so we're going to come in and renovate that place as much as possible. And so if you've ever been excited about renovating or creating or, or just getting in and ripping up old carpet, do we have a job for you to do? All right. So 
we're gonna have uh, three bigger work days. That's our plan at least uh, for the next uh, five, six weeks. Uh, but the first one is gonna be on Tuesday, and that's gonna be from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. And then there'll be another opportunity on Wednesday from 10 a.m. onward. We'll just, there's no real um, deadline set there for Wednesday. If you wanna come out and just help us clean up the place, like I said, rip up carpet, it's gonna be all in preparation to put in new floors. We're gonna rip out some audio stuff. We're putting in a whole new audio system. I mean, there's gonna be projections, lights, staging. I really think you guys are gonna be proud of your church uh, because my goal is for you to walk in and be really proud of, of your community. And I want you guys to post it on Instagram and be like, look how cool I am, because I'm here. You know, like that's really like, that's one of my goals. I'm not kidding. I'm like, I want you guys to be so proud of the place that you Instagram it. So is that okay? Is that, is that legal? Because that's how I know if you guys really love this place, I know it when you Instagram. I'm like, they like us. They put it on the gram. And uh, so anyways, that's, you don't have to Instagram. I just think that that's always fun. Anyways, happy Easter to you guys. Happy Easter. Anybody go to church already this morning with your family, a few of you guys, double dipping? Of course, Pastor Shannon McLaird is here from Grace Center. What's up, Shannon? How's it going? It's good to see you. Davin, how are you, sir? It's good to have you here always. Your daughter, Michaela, just straight slaying us up here. She's always just coming in and crushing it. So we're glad that you guys are here. Thanks for coming tonight, you guys. So happy Easter to everyone. I really do think that this will probably be the, the last Easter that we have that's this informal. You know, this year I was kind of chomping at the bit. I was like, how can I strategize to have some kind of like helicopter egg drop for the kids? You know, I'm thinking like, we needed somebody to dress up in a bunny on skates or something. Like, something has to happen that's, that's just like radical. Um, and so I think once more, you know, being in East Nashville is going to give us space. You know, have a Sunday morning service. It's like, you know, we can come to service dressed to the nines. I thought about it tonight, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm excited that it's Easter, you guys. When it's Easter, you know, holiday, uh, you know, church calendar holiday like today, you're just drawn to the passages that tell the story about Jesus and the crucifixion and the resurrection. So tonight, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the resurrection story and about the first appearance that Jesus made to Mary Magdalene. So I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture this evening. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, maybe you have version. that's a great tool to uh, help you keep up with your Bible reading plan. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 20. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard. So if you want to find that version, you can. If you have a different one you prefer, that's fine as well. But I'm going to read from John chapter 20, verse 1, all the way through verse 18. All right? So can you guys bear with me for 18 scriptures? If you can do that, just give me a good amen. Thank you guys so much, because we don't typically read this much scripture. But I think it's appropriate on Easter. What do you guys think? So if you're there, just give me another amen. amen. If you're not, just say, wait a minute. All right, we're moving. So John chapter 20, verse 1 starts with, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark 
and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their homes. Isn't that an interesting decision? They're like, we don't understand. Let's go home. I mean, that's like, that's just typically a pretty good response. Verse 11, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. Now this is one, this is a wonderful phenomenon right here. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Now, let me just say this real quick. Um, them addressing her as woman is not disrespectful, all right? In this day and age, woman was almost like queen. It was like my lady, you know? That's the best, that's the best term that I have to relate it to, okay? It wasn't a disrespectful term. It was actually a term of endearment, all right? So the angels say, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. And verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So let's pray, guys, and then we'll kind of recap the story a little bit here. Jesus, we just thank you that you're alive. I just think it's awesome that you defeated death, the strongest power on earth. You defeated it, and you're amazing for that, God, and we celebrate your crucifixion, we celebrate your resurrection, and we celebrate the free gift of salvation that you've given us here this evening. Just, we pray that you would use the word to minister to our hearts and to our spirits, and God, I just pray tonight that you would set people free, that you would set us free, God, to new a new place of freedom in our heart and in our mind to see you rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this passage, right, we read a whole lot of scripture. So I appreciate you guys bearing with me. 
But I really would like to recap the story and just examine what exactly was going on in this portion of Scripture. The first character that we see drafted into the scene is Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary Magdalene is always confused to be the Mary that was the the woman known as the prostitute who poured out the oil on Jesus' feet. But she actually wasn't that that same Mary. Mary was, was a different lady. She was actually a demoniac, and the Bible teaches us, Mark says, that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. Jesus had delivered her in his ministry. And from that time that she was delivered as a demoniac, she began to follow Jesus as a disciple the same way that the 12 followed Jesus. It's often believed that Mary was a wealthy woman, that she was a woman of means, so to speak, and that she actually helped to finance the ministry of Jesus because there was a handful of women who were disciples who followed Jesus and actually financed Jesus' ministry. So Mary could have been, you know, a wealthier lady. She was delivered from demons and was now following Jesus just as closely as Simon Peter or Andrew or James or John. So even though the Bible doesn't talk about her in the same way that it does the 12, she was following just as often and just as close, which I think is pretty cool to note. What do you guys think? So she's following Jesus. And the day that Jesus resurrected, obviously she was there for the crucifixion, but the day that Jesus resurrected, she got up early in the morning. Now, it wasn't light yet. It was still dark outside. And in her heart, she was mourning. She was grieving. She was moved so deeply that she could no longer sleep. She had to get up out of her bed and take a journey to the tomb of the last place that she saw her Lord, her friend, Jesus. And so as she's on her way to the tomb, she's missing Jesus. That's essentially what's happening. Mary is missing Jesus. Mary was looking for a dead man in the dark. She was missing Jesus. There was no light. There was no hope. Jesus had been deceased now for several days. There would be plenty of time for her to go later and see the tomb. But she was all alone. There was no one that came with her to the gravesite. There were no other disciples, and yet she came. At the time, she was deeply sad. She was in mourning. She couldn't even see Jesus because the tomb was closed. But at least she could grieve before the stone that held him captive inside. She was so moved that she just simply needed some reprieve. You guys ever been in a place like that before? Can't sleep, maybe you can't eat. You just need something that's gonna give you relief. And I think that's how Mary Magdalene was feeling that morning when she got up out of bed early. Unable to sleep, on her way to the tomb, she just had to get close to where Jesus was. Once she got, you know, let's say, if I could paint a picture here, let's say she kind of, came over the hillside there, and she was able for the first time in the darkness to see the front of the tomb. Can you imagine her confusion when she recognized that the gravestone had been rolled away? Grave robbery was actually a popular practice in that time, and maybe she even felt some emotions of anger start to rise up in her as she began to walk a little bit faster and investigate the place where Jesus had been laid just a few days before. And before she really got a chance to examine uh, too much of this place, she was so frustrated, so moved, 
so much in mourning, so passionate about what had happened to Jesus, not knowing what that was, that she turned around and began to run to speak to some other disciples. Once she got to a place to where she knew some disciples were staying, she found who? John, that's who uh, wrote this book, which is why it probably just says uh, the one whom Jesus loved. You know, he was being humble. And John is there, and he's obviously, you know, sleeping alongside, sleeping in the same house as Peter, who had since, you know, disowned Jesus and decided that he was going to abandon the way of Jesus and simply give up and become a fisherman, which, in my opinion, I think that says volumes about the disciple John. The the disciple Peter had turned his back on Jesus, and yet John, filled with intimate love from Jesus, decided to pursue, pursue a lost brother, take him into his home, and love him back into his rightful identity. Which I think is pretty cool, considering that although Peter had abandoned Jesus and decided not to no longer be a disciple, he was somehow ended up sleeping under the same roof as John. That's pretty cool about John. And so as uh, Mary Magdalene goes in, you know, thank you for the freedom to just explore the story a little bit. But, you know, as, as Mary Magdalene goes in and she, she finds, uh, you know, Peter, she finds John, she, perhaps she wakes them up. It's still pretty early in the morning. And then she says to them, hey, they have taken Jesus. Somebody has taken Jesus. I don't know where he is. I don't know where he could be. You know, the same emotions hit their hearts as well. They start to, you know, maybe throw back the sheet and get up and try to put their shoes on really quickly because they're confused. They're upset and they're angry as well because somebody has stolen the sacred body of their Lord, their discipler, their teacher from his, from, his, from his grave. And so without much argument, without much, you know, discourse, they don't, they don't say, well, how do you know that happened? They just get up and they sprint. You know, Usain Bolt, you know, just 400 meters straight to the tomb. That was my CrossFit quota. 400 meters, I hit it, nailed it. So they're sprinting, they're, they're on their way, right? And, you know, Peter, I just imagine him, he's a fisherman, you know, he's a little bulkier, he's a little stronger. And then you got John who just, you know, he laps him. John's, John's headed to the tomb, he's, he's moving fast. And then by the time that they arrive, uh, John actually gets there first, right? So John, he's a little bit more delicate than Peter is. He's a little bit more sensitive. You know, he was the guy that laid his head over on the bosom or the chest of Jesus during the Last Supper. So, you know, he's a little bit more calm and docile. And so he just, he's looking in there and he notices a few things. He sees that, that, the, that the linen wrappings that, that Joseph had given him, a rich man, so that, so that Jesus could be buried in his own tombs, they were, they were strewn about, you know. They were all over the floor in the tomb. And then he looks around and, he, and then he notices that the linen cloth that was draped over the head of Jesus, that was placed on last before the tomb was closed up that it was actually not thrown aside but it was folded up it was rolled up nice and neat and then it was set aside over there to the side and about the the the, the, the you know at the time that he's able to start to comprehend man Jesus is gone what's going on all of a sudden here comes this big brawly disciple Peter who busts through and and hits you know John on the shoulder and he comes in and almost falls into the tomb and begins his own investigation at least that's how I see it. That's how I read it, okay? And so it's interesting because Peter was looking for a man that he had just stabbed in the back. If you think about that just for a minute. 
Peter had abandoned his friend Jesus. Truth be told, Peter had left Jesus for dead. Peter had denied Jesus. He didn't just hang him out to dry. He denied the fact that he'd ever even known Jesus. He had disowned his friend that just a few days previous was washing his feet. Peter, at this point in time, was a full-on hypocrite. He was the one that said, doesn't matter who leaves you, Jesus. I'll never leave your side. In fact, I'll die with you. He had proven himself at this point to be an individual of bad character. Peter rushes into the tomb of a man that he had just stabbed in the back. It says in the passage there that they believed. But what exactly did they believe? Because the Bible also tells us that they did not understand what Jesus meant when he said that he would rise again. So it wasn't that that they believed at that moment. They actually believed the report of Mary, that Jesus had been stolen. Perhaps that he had become the victim of a grave robbery. And they're all in the tomb together, the three of them, or outside of it perhaps, and they're upset. You can see Mary hasn't stopped weeping. She's there, still crying. Then you have the disciple John, the one whom Jesus loved, consoling Mary as best he can, but at the same time mourning himself. And then you have Peter, who's probably pacing around the tomb frantically, angrily muttering things to himself as he picks up and throws the wrappings around. Can you guys see that picture as well? That's what I see whenever I read this story. Emotions undoubtedly were super high, and they didn't know where to go from there. So they decided, well, I guess we should just go home. You guys have been there before, right? Angry, mad, confused, mourning, upset on the inside, and the best thing to do is, well, let's just go home. After all, what can really be done? I mean, we're just a crowd of 11 people. There's no way that we can rebel against Pilate. There's no, that, no way that we can find out who's stolen our Lord. There's no way that we can figure out how to fix this situation. I mean, after all, we did just get defeated by, you know, the religious uh, people of the day. There's probably nothing that we can really do. Let's just call it a day, give up, and go home. So they dismissed themselves. But what I think is interesting about this story is that Mary actually remains. I think this is really interesting. Mary actually stays behind. She actually stays behind to finish what she started. Mary came to the tomb to mourn, and she wasn't going to leave before she got the opportunity to pour her heart out at the very last place that she had seen her God. So she sits outside the tomb. We read the story. She starts to cry again. She starts to, she starts to mourn. She starts to weep with desperation at the front of the tomb. And then through, you know, teary eyes, she decides to go home herself. But just before she turns to leave and go back to the house, she decides that she's going to give it one more look. Let me look in just one more time. Let me look just one more time. I'm, I'm mourning. I'm, I'm sad. I'm broken. I'm, 
I don't know where to go from here. I guess I'm just going to retire, but out of desperation, let me look just one more time. So as Mary looks in, there's a point, I think, that's very valid in this moment. Had Mary not looked again, she may have very well missed out on Jesus and left there never knowing if he in fact was real. But she looked again. Had Mary not looked again, she may have went home never knowing if Jesus was real. The angels asked Mary why she was crying. What's her response? Because they have taken Jesus. Before she has the chance to ask these angels, ask these two men in shiny white clothes, what's really going on here? Where have you guys taken Jesus? Has Je Before she even has the chance to start a conversation, she actually is wheeled around by another voice, and that's the voice of the gardener. The gardener, right? So there's the gardener, and he says the exact same thing to Mary that the angels had just said just a few moments before. He said, woman, why are you weeping? And then he asked her a second question. He says, who are you looking for? This moment in Mary's response actually reveals her understanding, and that is that she had not understood theology. Despite the fact that she had been following Jesus for three years, that she had been delivered of seven demons by Jesus's ministry, despite the fact that she had financed his crusades, she did not understand just as the disciples did not the right theology. I don't know if that's refreshing for anybody else in here. Had been following Jesus for quite some time, but did not understand theology. Jesus had told the disciples time and time again that he would one day resurrect, but they did not get it. Mary had not yet figured it all out. Mary was not good at being spiritual. She was there simply grieving greatly. Mary needed some real answers, and that's exactly why she was at the tomb. She had been following Jesus for quite some time, but she needed to see and to know where Jesus really was in that day. So she hears the voice of the gardener. And the gardener told Mary where the body of Jesus was, but not in the way that she expected. He called her by name. And in that moment, Mary realized that it wasn't the gardener, but that it was Jesus. How many times has Jesus surprised you? Where you thought that he was someone else, when in fact it was the Lord himself. I wanna tell you guys the story of how I got saved, because when I got saved, I thought Jesus was the police. When I got saved, I was 21 years old. I was an alcoholic and a drug addict and a drug dealer. I'd overdosed several times. I'd been arrested a whole bunch of times. I'd been in drug rehab several times. And it was just another night of using and abusing drugs. And I was actually prepping the drugs I was going to use for the following day when 
I just laid back watching TV and passed out, really. And I'm sure you guys have all experienced this before where you're like, you get shaken out of your sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Just like that sensation of falling or something. And so I woke up and I was like shaking. I was like, whoa. And I looked around all of a sudden because I thought I heard a noise and there were people coming by uh, my window. I saw someone pass by my window and I thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible because that's the police. I've got drugs in here. I'm selling drugs. You know, I know that they know who I am. They're probably here to bust through my door and arrest me. And I went to the window and I looked out quickly and no one was there. Nobody. I didn't see anybody. I know that I saw somebody pass by my window just a few moments before, but nobody was in front of my front door. For a minute, I was relieved by the fact that it wasn't the police, but just that quickly, I was wishing that it had been somebody else other than Jesus. Because all of the sudden, you guys, the presence of God filled my apartment living room unlike anything I'd ever felt before. What I thought was the police, you know, what Mary had thought was the gardener, was actually Jesus coming to pay me a visit. And you guys, what's crazy about it is, is that he didn't come to lay down some religious law book. He didn't come just to give me these commandments of these 10 steps that I needed to take in order to get right with him so I could follow him properly. He actually did the same thing to me in some sense that he did to Mary, and he called me by name. And he said, come home to me. Come home to me. That's what, that's what I heard Jesus say. Come home to me. And that's how I got saved. That's how I experienced salvation. Now, these, th these, these two people in three different situations all experienced salvation on the day that Jesus called their name. Think about Mary for a minute. She was up early going to the tomb. Why? Because she was missing Jesus. I would almost bet you that there's some people in this room tonight that are moved on the inside. You came to church tonight missing Jesus. You rolled out of bed today and you were thinking, I don't know what's going on on the inside. There's some internal conflict that I've been experiencing. I feel that there is distance between me and my God. I once knew him so well. I once followed him so closely, but now I'm not sure where he is. I better just go to church. It's Easter. I need to go to the last place that I remember him being. I need to head to the tomb or the last place that I saw him. I'm missing Jesus. I would almost bet you that there's some people in here tonight that you are, you're genuinely missing Jesus. It's just been far too long since you've held him close. It's been far too long since you've felt his presence in a moment of worship where you were broken on the inside and just began to weep in the presence of God because you recognized the love and the delicacy of the one who fashioned you and created you and wants to spend all of eternity with you. He is calling your name. For those of you guys that miss Jesus in here tonight, he's saying your name. He's saying your name. And he's ready to reveal himself to you. He's ready to reveal himself as your Lord. He's ready to reveal himself as your God. He's ready to reveal himself as alive. Maybe you don't miss Jesus. Maybe in this story, you're Peter. Maybe you've turned your back on Jesus. 
Maybe you've betrayed Jesus. Maybe you don't represent Jesus in your peer group. Maybe you don't talk about God amongst your friends. In fact, maybe you've even decided to deny the fact that you are a Christian when asked about church or somebody makes a you know, rude remark about what's happening with the church in America or about Christians or about people who are on television who are believers. You don't stand up for them. You don't say anything about your faith. You don't say anything about your God. Perhaps you've backslidden. Perhaps you've denied your faith. Perhaps you've denied what you know to be real, what you know to be true. And you've decided, you know what? I'm leaving this. I don't need that. I'm gonna go back to what I knew before. I'm gonna go back to fishing because I no longer have the desire to be a disciple. He's dead, I'm wrong, I look silly, I said this, I said I was awesome, I said I was great and look at me now. People thought I was anointed. People thought I was a leader. People thought I was a pastor. People thought I was, you know, this next great anointed man or woman of God, but look at me now. I'm sleeping in the friend's house, and he's the only person that believes in me anymore. Everybody else knows that I'm a hypocrite and a traitor, and I've proven myself to every single person who has ever loved me that I'm a person of bad character. Perhaps you're Peter in the story. And can I tell you guys something? That Jesus is calling your name. If you are backslidden, if you are living in sin, if you have turned your back on Jesus, if you no longer live according to your faith, if you've decided to run in the very opposite direction of being a disciple, the gardener is ready to reveal himself to you as the Lord to declare that I am alive and I know your name. You thought that you were just gonna go back to doing your thing. Nope, had a plan for you. One of my disciples brought you here tonight. You were under their roof for just a moment, long enough for a Mary Magdalene, if I could be a lady preacher for a minute, to come and tell you that Jesus is alive. He's not in the tomb and he desires you and he knows your name and he wants you. Perhaps you find yourself in that place tonight. Or perhaps thirdly, you see Mary once more hanging behind. He's hanging, she's hanging out. And she sees the angels and she encounters Jesus. Why? Because she looked one more time. Maybe you're somebody in here tonight that you've been going to church your whole life. You were, you were like literally picked up by the neckline and drugged to Sunday school. You heard all the messages. You got all the Bible stories. You've had all the good equipping. You, you've, you've went to church. You've talked to other Christians. You've tried lifting your hands in worship. You've tried tithing. You've tried giving offerings. You've tried serving, but you just don't have the same testimonies as everybody else. You just can't figure out why God would do that for them and not for me. Nothing good is really happening for me. I've tried Christianity. I've tried discipleship. I've tried following Jesus. And you know what? Here I am standing in an empty grave, mourning and crying my guts out because I just don't get to see the one that I thought that I wanted. You hear other people's testimonies, but it's not happening for you. You've been a Christian for a long time and it just doesn't seem to be paying off. Maybe you come here tonight because you're like Mary in the situation. And you're like, I'm just gonna give this thing one more look. One more look. It's Easter after all. What would it hurt? 
My heart is grieving. I'm mourning on the inside. I'm confused and afflicted. I can't figure out why that's happening there and it's not happening for me. I might as well. One more look. What is one more look really gonna hurt? And maybe that's you in the situation tonight. Maybe it's for you, this is just simply a one more look situation and I want you to know something that if that's you, Jesus is about to interrupt your process and turn you around and reveal himself to you and tell you and speak to you directly that he in fact has risen, that he is alive, he is not dead. And the first thing he wants you to know is that he knows your name, that he calls you by name, that he welcomes you home to him. And he says, you've waited a little bit longer than the rest of them. I know it didn't seem fair. I know it seems a little bit weird that you've been the most prepared, but you haven't had the experience as the new people. Well, now is your time. I'm calling you by name. Come home to me. I am your Lord and I have risen. So it doesn't matter who you are in the situation. Maybe you're simply missing Jesus tonight. Maybe you just need to come back home. Maybe you just need to open up your spiritual ears just for a moment to hear the Lord whisper your name. You know, sometimes we wait for the shout. Well, I just need God to grab my attention. And then there he is whispering. Why is he whispering? Because he's never far away. He's always close. That's all that's required because that's how close he is to you tonight. It's just a gentle whisper of your name. If that's you tonight and you feel like, man, I'm missing Jesus. It's been too long. I've been far away from him. I don't feel that I've been intimate with him. Can you just take a moment right now and just hear him speak your name? Can you just hear the Lord Jesus speak your name, those of you guys who have been missing him? He's calling you right now by name, welcoming you to him. Maybe you're Peter, maybe you've backslidden, maybe you've turned your back on God, maybe you've decided not to live according to your faith anymore. Can I tell you guys that God is calling you by name? If that's you, just for a minute, I just pray for every curse that has been spoken over you and for just the, the demonic covering of your spiritual ears that, that has tried to shield you from hearing the pure and tender voice of Jesus. We break that off and we just release the voice of the Lord into your spirit and into your heart right now. Can you just hear that precious voice of Jesus, the tender gardener? Call your name, he says you. He says your name. He calls you by first name right now. Just let yourself just be taken by him. And if you've been going to church for a long time and this is your first time back or maybe you've come every Sunday and you just don't feel like you're very good at being spiritual, if you don't feel like you've got all the good theology, if you don't feel like you've got church all figured out, if you don't feel like you've got the Bible all figured out, take hope because neither did Mary. And Jesus still came to her and came to her first. Before he did any of the guys that wrote the Bible, he came to a woman that didn't have her theology all figured out, who wasn't good at being spiritual. And he called her by name. If that's you tonight, can you just hear for a moment? We just, we just pray for your spiritual ears to be open, for Jesus to whisper your name. 
and he draws you to himself. If you guys don't mind, I just want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. We're gonna kind of, I'm going to close the sermon, uh, and then we're going to do some stuff with the kids. But I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment, please. Because I believe that Jesus is speaking to some people in here right now. I believe that Jesus, in fact, is comforting some people right now. That the Spirit of God is just moving upon hearts right now. And some of you guys who've not felt that touch perhaps for a while, I just feel like Jesus is, is moving upon you. And if, if you found yourself as perhaps one of the lead characters in this story and you've been missing Jesus, maybe you've turned your back on Jesus, or maybe you just don't feel good at being spiritual and you're giving it one more look tonight, if that's you, and you just want to hear Jesus call your name tonight and come home to him once more, would you just, would you just raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you just directly. Yeah, come on. It's cool. Don't, don't be shy about it. There's tons of hands up. Jesus is calling your name, all right? This is not about a teaching. It's not about a sermon. It's about a person. And his name is Jesus, and he's not dead, and he's not encapsulated in some tomb or history book somewhere. Not even the Bible itself could hold the living spirit of God that has taken up residence in you. He's calling your name right now, and he's saying, come home. So, Lord, I just pray over every hand that was lifted. And, God, I pray for your spirit to just fill their hearts right now. I pray for your spirit to, to fill their mind right now and to let them know that it doesn't matter where they've been. It, it doesn't matter how much they may have missed you or missed the body or missed church. It doesn't matter how much that they know or have been taught. It doesn't matter even if they decided that last night that they were gonna turn away from Jesus and never come back again, but somehow ended up in church today. God, just crash in with your love right now. We just pray that. Can we pray that together? God, just, just, just fill me with your love. God, just fill me with your love. The undeniable love of the cross that you poured out, God. Lord, we pray that we would be filled with that love right now. That you would draw us close once again. That with your love, you would qualify us. For, for connection forever as you have. Lord, we just receive your grace. We receive your mercy. We receive salvation, in fact. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last thing I wanna do, guys, as I'm bringing the kids in is mention this for all of you on Easter, okay? Mary was the first person to see Jesus after the resurrection, but Mary also became the first evangelist because the first thing that Jesus told her after he called her by name, as he said, go back and tell my disciples that I'm alive. There's somebody, 
I'm not saying you have to go out and be a missionary this week and you have to quit your job and just sell all your stuff and be a I'm saying there's one person. I'm saying there's one friend. There's one person right now that you know that has turned away from God. They've lost hope in God. To them, he died a few days ago. But you have the gospel. You have good news. Jesus is alive and he's shown himself to you and he's shown himself to be good, overlooking your shortcomings and qualifying you with his grace and his mercy that was poured out on the cross for each and every one of us. And now he's commissioning you on this Easter. He's commissioning you. Not only have you seen him, but he also wants to partner with you. And he wants to say the love that you feel right now in this moment is the love that, I, that I, I'm dying, that I've died so that somebody else could feel. And so right now be commissioned to be an evangelist, to share love with somebody this week, to share the love of Jesus, to share the gospel. And if you'll do that, just say, I'm going to do that. If you'll do that, just say, I'm going to do that. Come on, I know you guys know one person. All right. So I want to I wanna ask uh, Diana and, and, and our team to come in. They're going to do a song for us. Um, it's, 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 I don't know, um, it's probably harder for everyone to see if you guys stand up. So just stay seated just for a moment longer and we'll dismiss. I'm going to pass the mic to her. And you guys, this is how we're going to conclude service tonight. We're going to have a celebration with our kiddos. Is that cool? Is that fun? This is great. So, Diana, here you go. Awesome. Hi, guys. Happy. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.